1: Hello everybody. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Plenty of stuff to talk about today as always in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers. If you are joining us via Apple podcast, please give us that five star rating and review those of you tuning in over on the YouTube channel. Make sure that you like this video. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications as well. Joining me today is Matt, the Optimist Peralta. Matt, how are you doing in terms of your off-season energy at this point? Are you still still feeling pretty fresh here, feeling pretty pumped up about everything? Or uh, are you starting to hit the, the downward slide here in terms of uh, off-season enthusiasm? I'm, I'm definitely falling into the latter category at this point. It's, it's hitting me a little bit.
2: I'm I'm starting to get there a little bit, too. I I think this KD trade has really put a damper on some things. And given that it's holding up everything, my excitement has waned just a little bit. I I think we're in this for the long haul as far as KD and subsequently Kyrie Irving. Mm -hmm. Um, So the excitement has definitely come down a little bit. Um, Still crossing my fingers. Something happens. Maybe Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks soon-ish, just so we get some news. But otherwise, um, yeah, I'm I'm getting to the point of the offseason where I'm... uh, I'm not checking my phone quite as feverishly. I
1: need a mega trade, like something I, that involves KD and Donovan Mitchell, and it all gets ramped up into a nice, nice bow and just blows everybody's minds. That's, that's what we need at this point in the season to kind of re-energize us, reignite us because you're right. Like, look, this is, and this is our first topic for today. The, the Lakers trade front Keith Smith and I over on the front office show, we've been calling this the summer of the trade. Mm-hmm. It's been the summer of the duds in terms of, of trade. I mean, there's been a few, There's been a few interesting trades, some trades where value was not what we expected. We look at the case of Rudy Gobert. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But you look at Jeremy Grant, you look at Christian Wood, Malcolm Brogdon, some of these other deals that went down that were surprising in terms of of value. But overall, we haven't quite seen the mass volume of trades that we were expecting. And a lot of it, I'm blaming on Kevin Durant, on the Nets, and on the Wolves. For the the Rudy Gobert trade. I think those three things have really changed this offseason market and just robbed us of a lot of a lot of fun. I think it's kind of ground everything to a halt.
2: It really has. And, you know, I've got a good question for you. Do you think if Minnesota doesn't wildly overpay for Rudy Gobert, is, is Kevin Durant playing somewhere else right now? He might be,
1: he might be because you have to figure there's somebody, essentially every non nets team that is interested in, in training for Kevin Durant, which is every team, right. Should be um, is looking at the situation saying, Oh my gosh, like we, we can't give more than what, what the wolves just paid for Rudy Gobert. Meanwhile, the nets are saying, Oh my gosh, we can't trade KD's better than Rudy Gobert. We can't trade him for less than what Minnesota paid for Rudy Gobert. So they're stuck. And that's, You know, that's the problem that we've got here. You look at, you know, somebody mentioned on our last show, go back to the Shaquille O'Neal trade. I mean, I know the market's very different, but there was one first round pick involved in that trade. And now we're seeing five, six. I mean, we're hearing six picks for Donovan Mitchell, seven picks like that. It's getting crazy and NBA teams are starting to back off. And that's been a problem with the Kevin Durant situation. By By the way, I'm seeing Minnesota fans get super defensive about the Rudy Gobert trade, which that's, that is normal in NBA fandom. I'm not saying they shouldn't be doing that, but just from people who we were, we were there a a year ago, we were, we were there with the Russell Westbrook trade a year ago when the entire NBA, I'm talking about executives, I'm talking about fans, I'm talking about the people selling popcorn in the arenas are saying that's not a good trade you should probably listen. Now, it, it can still work out for the Wolves if they make the playoffs for the remainder of Rudy Gobert's time there. It can still work out, but the Wolves fans that are out there saying, oh, people are just upset because the Wolves aren't going to be a pushover anymore. That's not it. That's, that's not what's going on here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know it's this is a Lakers podcast, so we won't dwell on this too long, but sure. I, I think, you know, Rudy Gobert definitely raises the floor for Minnesota. I think they're going to be a solid playoff team for at least the first couple of years of that contract that he's there with them. Um, do I think they're a title contender remains to be seen I can at least get the thinking behind the trade but I think it just trade goes back to value and who were the wolves really bidding against for Rudy Gobert exactly I don't know maybe maybe there were reports maybe there are deals that weren't reported that were kind of similar in in ilk but I have a hard time believing that but look if you're a Minnesota Timberwolves fan you should be pretty excited I think you guys will be in the playoffs comfortably for the next couple years and for a franchise that has been pretty starved for playoff action you know I get it I'm just a Lakers fan though so so making the playoffs to me is, is not really anything I want titles. Well, and, and just in terms of value, it's a lot.
1: I mean, look, we, we could say, if we're trying to be objective, we can say, you know what, the Lakers probably overpaid for Anthony Davis, but they sure. won a title. So it didn't matter. Right. And I get and for Minnesota, maybe if they make the playoffs the entirety of Gobert's tenure there, then that's fine. Sure. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? So that that could be something. But in terms of the NBA impact, I think that has had a has played a role in this just everything dried up this drought that we've had across the league in terms of trades and things, Kevin Durant, the nets, if the nets, let's say Kevin Durant demands a trade and five days later, a trade gets made. Cool. We're off and running, yeah. right? That opens up a lot of stuff, but everybody is paralyzed right now. And it's either going to take a trade getting done or teams finally say, you know what? We're tired of this. We're not waiting a lot around any longer. Nets. You're two hours late for the date. We're, we're bailing. We're, we're not going to sit in. We're not sitting around at the restaurant waiting anymore. I'm taking off. We're taking our dignity and we're going to go make some other deals somewhere else.
2: Yes. Uh, the other teams have decided to look at other date uh, potentials in their phone and have <laughs> tried to make other plans. Um, Kevin Durant is obviously plan A, but uh, it's a Saturday night. I'm trying to have a good time. If, if he's not ready or he hasn't responded to me quite yet, I am going to move on to the next person.
1: So what does all this mean for for the Lakers on the trade front? Because we've heard, Obviously, they're talking to the Pacers. I've had a lot of Lakers fans that have expressed some concern to be saying, oh, my gosh, if they're talking to the Pacers, does that mean the Kyrie trade talks are dead? What's right. your your take on that?
2: Um, I think it's just starting the conversations for plan B. Personally, I think that it's good to get at least the framework of what a deal could look like if mm-hmm. the Lakers ever decide, you know what, we're going to pivot off Kyrie. We know we can't get into the training camp, uh, training camp preseason with Russ on our roster. We need to make a move. What would a deal look like? Let's start to hammer that out and, you know, we'll call you when we decide we want to move on. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And if anything, I think it also creates, you know, some pseudo leverage for the Lakers in any Kyrie deal saying, look, we don't we don't have to trade for Kyrie. We have other avenues to trade Russ and still get players back that we want to help our team win. That's um I don't know if you necessarily call it a negotiating tactic, but I think it's smart business from Rob Palink in the front office to at least do that. You don't want to go into training camp not having a sense of what the market would look like for Turner and Heald and for us, right? You you want to know like what that deal would kind of start to look like.
1: Yeah, if you're if you're all in, and I think the Lakers are very, very, very much have having uh, the Kyrie trade at the top of the list, but you've got to know what your other options are. And I think that's a great point that it could just be. For leverage sake. Hey, Sean Marks, look, I know we were trying to figure out life with Kevin Durant and it's tough and all of that, but we've got to do something here and we've got this other trade over here waiting. What do you want to do? Nobody else in the league wants Kyrie. Nobody else is bringing you offers for him. Can we get serious here or not? Right, And it may come to that. I'm not saying the Lakers are at that point because here we are. We still have plenty of time before, before we even get to training camp. We're a couple months away from that. So there's plenty of time to work out a deal, but it's important on that front that you've got other options out there, other ways to clear Russell Westbrook off the roster. If that's the goal while adding some shooting that also being a big goal here, but that's where things currently sit, where I think the Lakers, they're not going to do anything unless they're sure what's going on with Kyrie, unless they're sure Kyrie Irving, isn't going to going to be a Laker. And I think that's the right approach. I think that's the right approach. That's got to be your option number one, particularly when we put the LeBron factor in as well with that mm-hmm. extension coming up. it's available to sign on August 4th. By the way, some people were asking me, that is not a deadline. Right. That's just when it's available. He could sign it whenever. It, that's just when it's first open to, to be signed. And then you've got Miles Turner and Buddy Heal potentially as the fallback plan. With the challenge though being, what happens if it becomes known that Kyrie Irving's off the market? Do they, I mean, the, that certainly is going to give the Pacers some leverage in, in trade talks, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. If the Lakers don't have a Kyrie trade sitting for them, or at least the option for a Kyrie trade, then the Indiana Pacers will rightfully say, we know you guys want Turner and Heald. Um, here's our asking price. But then, you know, on the flip side, and I continue to think about this um, as the negotiations between the two teams, I'm, I'm sure are still happening. Um, you know, what? what is Turner and Heald's market? really right now. Like, why, why are we not hearing more teams looking to trade for either right. of them, both of them, right? So similar to the idea that the Nets are trying to create leverage, I think the Pacers are trying to create leverage too. But so far, I've only really seen the Lakers linked to both those players. And it's because they have Russell Westbrook's contract to to match salaries and take both of them in, in any deal. But um, I haven't really seen any teams linked to either of them separately. How are you feeling about the fit?
1: of Miles Turner and Buddy Heal, now that we've had kind of a few days to digest this whole situation and think about the possibility of those two guys joining potentially a Lakers starting five, right? I mean, LeBron, AD, Miles Turner, Buddy Heal, then you're starting five, add in a dash of Austin Reeves and, and off you go. What do you think about that type of a lineup with the Lakers? Uh, are, are you feeling any better about it than you were a few days ago? Because I know you and, you and I have both been very much Eh, you don't give up a second first in this
2: kind of a trade. Has your has your mind changed at all on that? Um, no, I just think you know from a from a negotiation or value standpoint, I still don't think you need to give up both first, but just because I'm not willing to throw the farm at both those players doesn't mean I don't think they can be useful. I think mm-hmm. Turner and healed on the Lakers would be great. They, they need shooting that's that's very clear it's very apparent that's the number one priority in any deal or even any free agency signings for the rest of the offseason I think both of those guys do that and I think with Turner if healthy and this is kind of why I'm squeamish on adding yeah. another first is do I really want to double up on both my bigs being injury prone and potentially only having them for 50 games or less I don't know but if Turner is healthy I think he is probably your quintessential big next to ad he's kind of like dwight howard and mark yeah. gasol rolled up into one right it's the floor spacing big who is able to defend the rib i think that in the modern nba today that's that's the exact center you want and if you could have that next to anthony davis where he gets to play his preferred four and he also gets to play more wing defense because i think right now the lakers are short on a true three and d guy and you could probably slot ad as like your quote-unquote wing stopper and have uh miles turner around the back line of your defense defending the rim i think that works out and then obviously the heel stuff um kind of speaks for itself right your floor spacer move them off screens have them on the weak side you know can you imagine lebron throwing skip passes to buddy healed in the corner as opposed to oh. someone else on the roster last year it's, it's that's, awesome that's part of the argument right buddy's never had
1: that right yeah like Buddy. buddy would get looks like he's never gotten before Mm-hmm. on on a Lakers team with LeBron James and with Anthony Davis and so that's that's got to be a factor in this uh discussion too but when we're talking about Miles Turner you talked about the injury now that as I recall and I'm not you know following day-to-day Pacers news but if I'm remembering this correctly last season there were reports that Miles Turner was ready to come back towards the end of the season and the Pacers right. just said tank mode nah no thanks Stay mm-hmm. stay home, rest up. There's no reason. And, and rightfully red, so. You know, there's no reason to bring it back. So I'm not as concerned about that, you know, in terms of the injuries that he had last year carrying over. I think he probably is healthy there, especially if those reports are accurate. But he does have a long injury history. On the flip side, like how familiar would that be for, for Darvin Ham, right? Sorry. Like, I mean, Brooke Lopez and Miles Turner are, are very much, they're not the same guy at all. But if you squint, I mean a big who's pretty good at shooting threes, can block shots, isn't great at rebounding, and you can put him in the corner and let him and let him bomb away and space the floor for you, it would make it a pretty easy transition from the offense that the Bucs run to the offense the Lakers run if you were to put Miles Turner and then you add in, say, Thomas Bryant into the mix off the bench. That It gives you a, a rotation that, again, if you squint, looks very similar to the type of personnel that Milwaukee had.
2: No, I, I completely agree. It's just, again, I'm, I just pulled up uh, Miles Turner's game logs for the past couple seasons. So 2019-20, he played 62 games. 2021, that was a shortened season. Short he season. played 47. Then last year, he played 42. Maybe some of that's attributed, obviously, to the injury. That's most of it. But some of it was maybe just the tanking down the mm-hmm. stretch. Um, but conservatively, what do you put him at? Like 50 games last season. So, again, that's why if I'm negotiating with the Pacers, I'm going to tell you guys, he's up for an extension. He also has an injury history. Yep. I don't think he's necessarily worth the first. If you want a second, maybe even two, I'd be amenable to that, but I don't think I can just throw all my draft equity at him. And Buddy Heald has an extra year on his yep. deal
1: that a lot yeah. of teams won't want won't want to take
2: on. Exactly. But so. again, um, Turner and Heald, if that deal gets done, whatever it may be, um, I, I think the fits make a lot of sense for the Lakers. It gives them two quality rotation guys. I think there are some question marks about what a playoff rotation would look like with those sure. two, because I think there is a very real possibility that one or both of them could get played off the floor. But as far as the regular season goes, I I think they'd be pretty good fits for the Lakers. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about
1: something the Lakers did actually do. This is completed. We even got the press notification from the Lakers saying it is done. So this is official. The Lakers have signed Javante McCoy and Fabian white jr. Both guys that we saw in the summer league. I Javante McCoy. I'm not surprised. Fabian white jr. A little bit surprised that, that he got, by the way, both of these are Exhibit 10 deals. A mm-hmm. um, little bit surprised that he got the nod there. We didn't see a whole lot of him in Summer League. And he was a guy that specifically, just from you know doing a little bit of, of digging on him and looking at what he did in college, I was looking for him and, and hoping to get to see more of him. And uh, we didn't see him get a lot of run in Summer League. So I was a little bit surprised that he got an Exhibit 10 deal
2: yeah i mean I'm, I'm a little shocked too um but i mean you can kind of see it right with his size the skill set a little bit as being able to score yes. do some stuff around the rim showed some some life of a jump shot so i think anytime when you see guys with that kind of size that can shoot a little bit it's always worth a look um so and again these are exhibit 10 deals right so there's nothing really yeah. to quibble over like what's going to happen really they're going to get some preseason action and then they'll get cut and waived and then they'll eventually end up with south bay and that's
1: we should mention that. So for anybody who doesn't know because this really only you only hear Exhibit 10 deals around this time of year. Essentially, it's a training camp invite with extra incentive. Now these guys could make the roster. I don't want to say they can't, but typically these are players that are sort of they're going into that assuming they're going to get cut in training camp, but by being an Exhibit 10 contract, it gives them extra money, $50,000 Uh, If they then sign with the South Bay Lakers after being cut by the Lakers and they stay there for at least two months. So it's where the Lakers are putting out there that, Hey, we're interested in these guys enough to pay, pay them a little bit more to not go and play overseas somewhere and to instead stay and play in the G league for us, because we want to get more of a look at them, but we understand they're probably not good enough to make the regular rotation. And we're just going to use them as kind of extra bodies in training camp. So that's what an exhibit 10 deal does. Again, You very, very rarely do you see one of these turn into a full roster spot or anything like that. Sometimes you can turn it into a two way contract, but essentially going into camp, both of these guys are in positions where they know they are unlikely to make the team, but the Lakers are kind of already funneling them towards the South Bay Lakers with this type of deal.
2: Yeah, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I I, I really like Javante McCoy. I thought he really mm-hmm. came on late in, good. in Las Vegas Summer League. Uh shows some signs of a three-level scorer. He has got that patent and spin move in the mid-range, which I think is pretty sweet. Um he's he was definitely fun. He was he, fun. He was fun, and we needed that.
1: We needed fun. It was summer league was so much more enjoyable than the regular season, just because these guys were going out there having fun, winning some games. That that was a nice experience. And Javante McCoy was definitely a part of that.
2: Yeah, and you know, um, not to talk about summer league too too much, but I think that if what we saw in summer league is what's going to translate to the parent team. I'm pretty excited for this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of start to see the the vision for Darvin Ham, how he wants to play. You know, that's kind of the point of summer league, right? It's not only to see the young guys play, but it's also to start implementing some of your schemes, ideas right. and your plans for the parent team. And I thought, wow, you know, this is a competitive team. They're playing defensively. They're getting after it. They're, uh, they're spacing the floor. The Lakers took a bunch of threes and outside shots during summer league. So I really like that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked, honestly. And as far as McCoy and Fabian White Jr. goes, I think that it's just going to end up being, they're going to end up with South Bay and hopefully they develop and maybe down the line, they turn into something, you know? so uh...
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data, And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: Low risk move for the Lakers here. Now, I did see there were a lot
1: of Lakers fans who immediately responded. What is Rob Palenka doing? You know, (laughs) remember what these, remember what these are. Okay. This is not, we're not saying they're signed to full contracts. We're not saying they're on the roster for next season. Almost certainly they will, they will not be. So I think that was the initial reaction when they saw, they signed Javante McCoy. They signed Fabian white junior people went, what, who are these guys? Why would they sign these guys? Right. That's not, this is to funnel them to the South Bay Lakers, but I also saw from the fans who took it a little bit of a step further, a lot of people saying, Where's Jay Huff? Where's Sa- Sasha Kalea Jones? Where-, where are these guys that were playing pretty well? Where's Paris Bass in-, in Summer League and played arguably bigger roles? Some of those guys might be holding out, waiting to see if they can get pick up a deal like Mac McClung did, right. where he got like a non-guaranteed, but a deal with with the Warriors. I would imagine that's what's going on and why these guys are getting the exhibit 10 and not some of the other guys that people were hoping would. I wouldn't imagine it's a situation where the Lakers just weren't willing to offer that. My guess is those players are waiting to see if anything pops free. And I think a lot of guys, the players like this included are still waiting to see what's going to happen for the Kevin Durant situation. Because once that goes down, then teams have a better sense of what they've got roster spot wise. And, and all of that so i think the trickle down effect is you're even getting guys like like jay huff who can be kind of left stuck waiting to see how everything's going to shake out
2: i was just about to bring up the kevin durant trade um assuming KD gets traded that opens up the gates for Kyrie irving to get moved what does the deal look like do the lakers end up sending two guys out three guys out do they pivot to turner and healed exactly do they have to give up more like you know um as of right now the lakers have a couple spots open if i remember correctly uh they've won one okay so they have one if they end up dealing three guys out bringing back two that opens up another spot maybe that's where Jay huff gets his spot who knows uh but yeah every (laughs) man everything comes back to kevin durant it really does they they have two training camp spots open but one full
1: roster spot okay as of of this moment but yes it, it really does it all comes back to kevin durant He's sitting somewhere, Thanos style, saying it's and he is inevitable, and all of that. We're just waiting for Sean Marks to snap and actually trade him. Yes,
2: <laughs> there's
1: the MCU working. I had to figure out some way, some way to to mix it in there. Come on, Nets, figure out life. Let's let's get this done. Uh, all right, let's open up the mailbag. I did put this out there on my Instagram account at Trevor Lane NBA, Asked for some questions for people. Figured we'd have a little bit of time on today's show to discuss some of these. So I've got Kyle MDR said, how would the Lakers differ on the court after the Indiana trade versus the Nets trade? So Nets, let's assume they're getting Kyrie Irving and let's let's dream big here. Let's say it's Kyrie Irving and Joe Harris. And in the Pacers trade, it is Buddy Heald and Miles Turner. How do those two things differ in terms of what we'd actually see on the floor?
2: Um, I think the biggest difference here is Miles Turner versus Joe Harris. Um, I think that, well, not even Joe Harris. I think it's actually more Kyrie, right? Um, with Miles Turner, you can potentially have a floor spacing big on the floor at all times. That's yep. awesome. Uh, you have a very stout defensive front court. I think that the Lakers' rim protection and paint defense will be a lot better. Um, but I think, you know, if you do the Nets deal, you obviously have a more uh, dynamic point guard in Kyrie Irving who can score at all three levels comfortably make defenses more honest Um, got some more flexibility I think with Anthony Davis at the five because you don't have an extra center you need to play so I think you know looking at these two deals I think really the big thing here is the Lakers can play bigger with uh, Miles Turner on the floor Mm -hmm. Um, but then if you trade for Kyrie you've just got more scoring options available I think you see Anthony Davis featured more exclusively at the five I think that if you do the Miles
1: Turner buddy heel trade you've got a team that looks a little bit more similar to the 2019-2020 team. Yep. In terms of you're, you're probably going to be asking LeBron to do a lot of ball handling with that unit, unless Kendrick Nunn is 100% healthy and plays his way into the starting role. But I'd have Austin Reeves penciled in there who can handle the ball himself. But still, I, I could see where you've got LeBron with the ball in his hands more with a buddy-heeled Miles Turner, simply because Kyrie's not there and Russell Westbrook's not there. Is that, is that what you want? going into a year, age 38, LeBron, year 20 in the NBA, is that a viable strategy? Or if you're the Lakers, should you feel like, hey, we tried Dennis Schroeder. That didn't work out the way we wanted it to. We tried Russell Westbrook. That didn't work out the way we wanted it to. But the line of thinking was correct in that we need to preserve LeBron. We need somebody else who can handle the ball. And does that push you even more towards the Kyrie trade? Again, or do you look at hey, we had success in 2019, 2020 when LeBron was the, the point guard and led the league in assists, and then you go back to that age be damned.
2: Um, I think I would prefer an innings eater in the regular season, but yeah. I think come playoff time, I think it's always going to be LeBron handling the ball, regardless of who the point guard is. Um, even if Kyrie Irving were to come in a deal. I yeah. I I still think that, you know, if you go back and look at those Cleveland teams, Kyrie brought up the ball a ton, but Most of the playmaking and all that stuff went through LeBron James still. So I feel like, you know, um, I'm not I'm not clamoring for another point guard just to take the burden off LeBron, quote unquote. But I think that during the regular season, it would help. But um, the way I always look at the Lakers is through a 16 game lens, not an 82 game lens. Uh, They're there to me. It's always going to be about the playoffs and what's best for the team at that point of the season. So um yeah, I'm. I'm not really um, too concerned about the, the workload per se, but I mean, I'm not opposed to it either. If they ended up, you know, starting Kendrick Nunn or giving more reps to Austin Reeves,
1: whatever.
3: Yeah,
2: I mean, or
1: call, call up Dennis Schroeder if you have to.
2: Sure, if that's going to be your point guard, um, you know, whatever. That's tough. That's tough. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's, it all revolves around LeBron. So, <laughs> uh,
1: but that's that's essentially. I mean, I think we're going to see more highlight reel blocks. If miles Turner is on the, I mean, miles yeah. like that gets me excited. Miles Turner and Anthony Davis side-by-side side. that I mean weak yeah. side blocks for days, right? Like that, that could be really interesting, but um, you know, the flip side is, do they get pick and rolled to death? Do they get, you know, put into space and then miles Turner's got to stay in front of a guard. You know, there's all kinds of different things that, that you can counter, but I think there would be reason to be excited with either trade but I would be more excited with the Kyrie version, even though that in a way it flies in the face of what we've been talking about lately, about how the NBA is moving towards more of a two-star system. Mm-hmm. The Lakers would be going three-star. But I just think the talent discrepancy between Kyrie compared to Buddy Hield and and Miles Turner is too great to really make that up just with style of play.
2: Yeah, I mean... I'm still very much on the Kyrie Irving bandwagon. I, I understand some people think he's a little bit older. Guards typically start to age out and, and not be quite as effective. Um, defensively, he's not like the greatest thing in the world. And I think that's going to put a lot of strain on the backline of your defense, particularly AD. But offensively, I feel like the trade-offs are, are there. I feel like it's it's worth the gamble. And I think that, Anytime you have three stars as opposed to two, your ceiling's just a little bit higher. So um, I'll, t- I'll take the gamble with Kyrie versus Heald and Turner, but that's not to say that Heald and Turner aren't good in their own right. Okay, let's talk a little bit about assets and things that you can trade away. If
1: we get to the point where the Lakers just look, what, we're going to trade away anything that's not nailed down. Mm-hmm. Um, can the Lakers include a 2028 pick swap as a sweetener in a trade? According to DJ, DJ Boyd 2 is, is asking that um can they yes would you do that <laughs> like they've already got a pick swap out next year with the pelicans would you be willing to kick in a, a pick swap uh if like both first and a pick swap to get a Kyrie deal done
2: oh god no you know uh, uh, this is a funny story trevor and i think i told you this offline but uh, i actually ran into bobby marks at summer league <laughs> um And I I said, hi, I told him I was a Lakers fan. And the first thing he asked me was, so what are you giving up for Kyrie? And I told him at the time, I would give him a very limited lottery protected first round pick and a pick swap. That would be my final offer to the Nets. And then whatever salaries you need to match. Obviously, Russ, if I need to throw in uh, Harden, Tucker, none, whoever, so be it. But um, as far as draft equity goes, I would be willing to do 2027 or 29 first and and a swap. See, that's, that's just it. When I
1: look at these situations and I'm not in these,
2: these, I'm not in the
1: room with Rob Palenka or anything like that, trying to negotiate these things. But when I look at this and I see, okay, the Pacers want two first, the Lakers want to want to give one, the Nets want two first. They don't want Russ. The Lakers want to do one for you, whatever it is. I don't feel like that's an instant going from one first to two first, Well, you throw in a bunch of seconds and a pick swap. Now, maybe you're dealing with a team that just says, no, I don't care about pick swaps. I don't care about seconds. It's a first or nothing. Okay. Right. Like that, that might happen. That's possible. But Mm -hmm. from the outside, it just, it feels like that's not an insurmountable chasm of a difference there. Even as, as people like, like Mark Stein, who again is one of the, the best in the business are characterizing. This as they're, they're pretty far apart when it's sounding like it's one first round pick. Now maybe it's protections that can be certainly increasing the gap. If the Lakers are saying one first and it's lottery protected, and the Pacers are saying two firsts, both completely unprotected. That's a pretty big gap there, right? But I just feel like things like that, pick swaps, second rounders, you could add in a player. Like There's ways to get there if you really want to. And I think the Lakers don't have the incentive to really want to, until they know for sure whether or not the Nets are going to trade Kyrie. And the Nets aren't going to know know whether or not they're going to trade Kyrie until they fully understand what's going on with Kevin Durant. So once again, for like the fourth time this show, it all comes back to Kevin Durant and and what's happening there with with him. But um, yeah, I just think that it's a great idea to have kind of the pick swap in the back pocket because Mm -hmm. it's a compromise in order to avoid having to give up both. That's the way I'm using that pick swap
2: sure and you know I, I think from the lakers perspective that's absolutely how you look at it it's like here's us throwing you another thing right. in the deal but then you know on the flip side if i'm brooklyn i look at that and go you know okay pick swaps nice it's nice to have that option yeah but it could be absolutely worthless right yeah. it, the nets could uh very well just be worse than the lakers in 2028 if that's the swap that ends up happening and so they don't end up using a swap you know that was that was pointless yeah. um so again, it's nice to have that option, but it's kind of like the poo-poo platter deals. Just like here's extra stuff, but just, some of it just amounts to nothing. Keep piling it on there. Yep. Yeah, just you know, it's a thing, but is how how valuable is
1: it really? I just think there's gonna be there's too much talk here for them not to do something,
2: right? I mean, and I think
1: I think teams are just waiting for the Lakers to blink. And this is, you know, I made this point on on Twitter the other day. I said that essentially, like. The most important thing is that they end up at a good deal. It's Mm -hmm. frustrating for fans to sit and hear rumor after rumor after rumor after update after update, right? All of this different stuff. And people just get frustrated. They're like, oh my gosh, just, just do the deal already. Just whatever it takes, just get it done. All right, throw in another pick. Get the deal done. But then... Like, let's say the Lakers cave and they say, okay, two firsts for Miles Turner and Buddy Hield. How many people would be complaining that they overpaid and that Rob Palenka didn't do a good, do- good job negotiating and all that kind of stuff? That would be a thing. That would be out there. The most important thing, despite the waiting being so difficult, you know, Tom Petty says the waiting is the hardest part, the, the most important thing is that you get a good deal mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Dennis Schroeder. But I, I think that the Lakers so far have played things correctly even if it's difficult
2: to go through all of this waiting no i i 100 agree and i think i said this on the other on the show maybe the other night or so but if the lakers hold out and they end up getting the deal that they wanted which is a first and some stuff for kyrie or even a mm-hmm. first and some stuff for herner um turner and Heald, it, then this was absolutely worth it it's um it's just it's smart by robin the lakers for an office at least project to the other twenty nine teams. Hey, we're not as desperate as you guys think we are. Yeah, maybe deep down they actually are, but you know you don't want to project weakness. You don't want to hurt your leverage, whatever modicum of leverage you have left in any deal here. Um, just make sure you know you're not leveraging, you're not negotiating from a place of weakness and telling the whole world you are right. Well,
1: and, and in both of these situations, it seems like, and it, I think more, this is more certain in the Kyrie case than the Indiana trade package, but it seems like the Lakers are negotiating against themselves. It doesn't right. seem like there's other teams that are rush- rushing in to make offers here. So that matters too, right? It's a, in, in that situation, you may have to be willing to play that waiting game. Again, I, I think teams are going to wait until August 4th. They're going to do everything they can to put that pressure on the Lakers. But now the other, the other piece, and I think you brought this up on one of our shows recently, if the dust settles and mid-August suddenly the Lakers trade both picks – and other stuff, and they walk away with Heald and Charter. Lakers fans are going to be like, What, like, what, what we'll through all that to take that deal? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Right. Like, people are going to just start complaining and ask, Why didn't you just do this in the first place? But yeah. you have to posture and, and try to argue and negotiate as much as possible until you get to that point. What that point is, is anyone's guess. I, yeah. I personally think it's training camp, which is not until September. They've got time. So I think oh. things are going to be status quo until someone does something, i.e., someone trades for Kevin Durant. So
1: I've been on on pins and needles, especially the beginning of the month, beginning of July. I was afraid to go anywhere Same. to do anything. Yep. Right. And now, and so I mean, my flight to Vegas for summer league was oh, yeah. nerve wracking because I'm going, Oh my gosh, something is, something is going to happen and I'm on a plane and it is, it is not going to be good. Right. Like that. I was a nervous wreck. I've got a vacation coming up (laughs) towards the middle of August and it's creeping closer. And now I, now all I can think is my God, it's going to happen. It's going to, I picked the time of year when nothing happens in the NBA and it's going to happen then, isn't it? That's, that's what we're heading towards. I think Matt.
2: I, I for your sake, I hope not. Um we've talked about this a little bit offline. We're gonna have to hold down the fort without you here, but well for for your sake, I hope not. It's yeah, I hope for me, oh my god. Um yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a giant that's gonna be a giant wreck, but we'll look at we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um but hopefully, hopefully we we have a resolution before you take your lovely vacation with your family. Um otherwise I hope it happens after. Yeah. Um, can you imagine if a trade breaks right before Media Day? <laughs> oh god. Yeah. How, how how mad are the Lakers PR people and everyone in marketing because they've got all this material out? Oh, for and sure. Then, and then now you've got to just redo everything because you've got a new roster, basically.
1: Well, how how frustrated is the NBA are the NBA schedule makers? Schedule makers. Right <laughs> like, that's, yep. that's another thing. But but yes, yeah, the PR, yeah, that's not that's not a great thing either to have to deal with. But that might just be where we're it's going to, it's going to happen, man. I, yeah. I, you can feel it. Um. All right. Nick. Sowell said, if we do get healed and Turner, would it prevent us having space to sign Kyrie as a free agent? Not necessarily, but you're not going to like the way that it does. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> if LeBron doesn't <laughs> sign an extension and LeBron isn't coming back in 2023, then the Lakers would still have space to sign Kyrie because essentially you would have a D Taylor Horton, Tucker, Damian Jones would have a player option. You're sitting like somewhere between 16, 70 million in cap space. Okay. Buddy heels on the on the roster to so take away 20. So now you're at 40 yeah. or 50. Yeah. You've got space to go sign Kyrie in that scenario. But otherwise, if LeBron signs an extension and you do this trade, then unless Kyrie says, you know what? I wouldn't take the taxpayer bid level last year, but gosh, darn it, I'm going to do it this year. Other than that, yeah, you probably don't have the space to to sign.
2: I mean, let's not forget possible extension for Austin Reeves, a possible extension for Miles Turner in this scenario. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and then there's the other question too, right? If uh, the only way to have maximum cap space or close to maximum cap space is sign Kyrie. Is he really going to come if LeBron's not on the roster? Right. Probably not.
1: So doing that deal would significantly damage your chances of getting Kyrie Irving unless the Lakers surrender a package where they feel like, you know what? If Miles Turner, if it doesn't work with him and he walks, we feel comfortable with that. We also feel comfortable with Buddy Healed on an expiring contract, you know, nineteen million next season. Uh, we can move off of that if need be, if we if we need sure. to go get Kyrie, maybe. Right, but that creates some extra steps and and things like that in order to to get there. So I would still say that if you see the healed and Turner deal goes down, that eliminates your chances of getting Kyrie now and diminishes your chances of getting him next summer.
2: Imagine the Lakers traded both first just to try and offload Healed and Turner next season. Oh God, it would <laughs> it would be like trading a first only
1: to try to offload Russell Westbrook a year later.
2: Yes. <laughs> That makes, yeah, totally.
1: (laughs) And Kyle Kuzma. Oh, God. And Montrezl Harrell. And KCP. And And making the decision to not bring back Alex Cruz. I'm getting depressed.
2: Come on. We got to move on. I need to pull out of this.
1: Yeah, we need to move on. All right. Um, Plan B, according to Maddie 23 or 20, 20. um, Plan B should be offering both picks for Kyrie. Why is the Pacers deal even a thing? So he's saying plan A should be Nets. We're going to give you one first for Kyrie plan B should be okay. All right, Sean Marks, you're playing hardball both first for Kyrie and a Pacers trade shouldn't even be in, in consideration. Are you in agreement with that?
2: Um not not entirely. I get the thinking, right? If you if, and I think I've said this before too. If, if the Lakers ultimately cave and the deal becomes two first for Kyrie and whatever other salary that the Nets want to get off of. Sure. Um, I I I would not like it from a value point, but you get Kyrie Irving, which is the goal all along. Mm-hmm. So with that line of thinking, it makes a lot of sense. But I think the Pacers deal should be a thing because you want options. What happens if Sean Marks is just super stubborn and says, "You know what? We just don't want to trade him to the Lakers. We're not going to do him any favors." Um, those two first round picks are so far out, and they might not a lot even of be Nets that great. Feel that way, right? Exactly. I've seen that? Yeah, and I've seen it too. Which is that's why I'm bringing it up. Is look. We we don't know Kyrie Irving any favors. He put our season up in flames last season. We're gonna trade him wherever. Or we're gonna do what we want with him, which includes not trading him to the Lakers. So if you're the Lakers, you need to have a contingency plan, which in this case sounds like it's the Pacers. I, yep. you know, you want options. You don't wanna just pigeon your you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket for one deal, and if it doesn't work out, you're SOL.
0: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice.
1: I don't think the Lakers are putting the Pacers deal ahead of a Kyrie Irving trade. Right. But I think it's important that it's there. I think it's important that they know what it would cost to get something done there because they understand that they probably need to do something right. Like we've talked about this. If you roll into next season with a roster as currently constructed, you're asking for trouble. And I'm Mm -hmm. not saying they made, they they haven't made bad moves this offseason. but fine with the moves they've made. There's issues with this roster. This roster was set up with the idea that more moves are coming in order to balance things out, in order to provide some of the things that you don't have. If that move doesn't arrive, you're in big trouble. So if, if Kyrie, Ir- Kyrie Irving might decide tomorrow he doesn't want to play basketball anymore. You don't you don't know what's going to happen. And so it's important that you do have that fallback plan. And I think that's what this is. I would rather see the Lakers do the buddy-heeled Miles Turner trade than do nothing. Right. Right and do nothing and again i I don't want to see them give up both first but i think that's a legitimate trade that can help them and it's something that you you do if Kyrie irving is off the board
2: yeah absolutely i you know as far as plan b's go and given what the lakers have as far as assets and trade partners available Mm -hmm. you could do a lot worse than buddy Hill and miles turner oh for sure yeah, so it's not a bad thing, and I think again we've talked about this a lot on this podcast. Is that if if that ends up being the deal, they get healed and Turner. I think the Lakers are a better team. That's that's the goal in any trade, right? Is to get better and give yourself at least a shot in the playoffs. I think getting those two players at least helps toward doing that. So I'd rather do that than just roll into this next season with the current roster as constructed. They have no shot with
1: this roster. No, right? No, no shot. No, with with the roster as it currently sits. Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, you're better during the regular season, and then you get into the playoffs and you say, okay, LeBron, okay, AD, this is your time. Go nuclear. Let's go. Mm-hmm. If you do the Kyrie trade, you're pretty good during the regular season still, but you get into the playoffs and you go, okay, LeBron, okay, AD. Oh, LeBron, you're having off shooting tonight. Okay, Kyrie, let's go. Now it's your time. Right, mm-hmm. Like you've got that other level that you can get to, particularly if you can figure out a way to get like a Joe Harris, a Royce O'Neill, a Seth Curry, someone like that. Or if you, you can flip in a third team or something. Well, I think a third team is going to have to be in no matter what in order to send Russell Westbrook somewhere because the Nets don't want him. Um, mm-hmm. But you, can, you bring in, figure out a way to get Eric Gordon, figure out a way to get some of these other pieces. Maybe still find a way to get Buddy Healed. I don't know. But that's where you can really take that next leap I think you're better with healed and turner. You could be significantly better with Kyrie and and a shooter, though so there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee. There's that unpredictability with Kyrie, but your ceiling is just higher. And that's that's what you're shooting for.
2: I mean, plus two, I mean, if you're just talking from pure entertainment value standpoint, wouldn't you rather just have Kyrie Irving? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean He's tailor made like- for big markets. Yeah, I
1: mean he puts defenders on skates and you know he's the he's shot got making's the, crazy. Oh and... man. He, like is, like it, how, how many guys
2: how many guys in the NBA have a potential for go, to you know score fifty points? There aren't a lot. Not many. Kyrie Irving's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Any given sure. night. Yeah.
1: And he can look incredible while doing it. It's not like an ugly 50 points or anything. Like he's he will go out there and do stuff that just leave people's jaws on the floor that's, isn't that kind of what the Lakers are all about? Yes. Right. Yeah. Showtime, he's, baby.
2: He, he's a showman. Like I, whatever the off-court stuff you have, like whatever, you know, things you disagree with about Kyrie Irving, the person, the basketball player, when he's out there, when he's healthy, when he has it mm-hmm. on, he is one of the most fun people to watch.
1: And you have to care about him when he doesn't have the ball. Cause he shoots 40% from three.
2: Yeah. He, he basketball fit. Yeah. What a concept basketball fit, <laughs> star power, you know, crypto.com staple center is gonna be rocking every home game if you have those if you have that big three on the floor every night.
1: Gotta figure out a way to get it done. You do absolutely. Yeah. But again, for the last time this show, it all comes <laughs> back to Kevin Durant. And whatever is going on there, and maybe Donovan Mitchell. I mean, that that could get looped into that as well.
2: We we Let's need the see. big market teams to have bona fide superstars there just for the NBA's sake. For The NBA
1: say all the small market fans right now are, are cursing Matt the Optimist Peralta. They they really
2: are, but let's let's just be honest. Like on Christmas Day, like if I'm gonna wa- if I'm gonna have to watch the Knicks, I'd I'd prefer they have good players on their team. Oh,
1: th- that's a good point because NFL because I, I believe Christmas is on a Sunday this year, so the NFL is going head to head on Sunday with the NBA. Yeah, you you need your stars to shine bright on that day because Christmas has always been the NBA day. You don't want the NFL saying, Oh, Christmas. Oh, look at these ratings. Well, this is comfortable. Let's do this again next year. Mm-hmm. That's not what you want. You want, you want LeBron and Kyrie putting on a show against Boston or something like that on Christmas day.
2: The NBA is so close, man. Like they've already got, you know, stars in both LA teams. The Warriors are in San Francisco. That's a big market. Um, if, you know, I think preferably the Nets and the Knicks are both good at the same time, so the mm-hmm. the NBA can have its biggest market on Christmas Day be really good. Chicago, you know, I think it's going to be a little exciting next year, depending on the health of their their team. But um, we're almost there. The NBA is almost there. They just need to get some. They just need to finagle some stars and get them to the big markets, and I think they'll be just fine.
1: We're going to get Lakers cri- Clippers on Christmas, aren't we?
2: Uh, can you, if you because they're going to be
1: because they're going to be healthy. If the Lakers get Kyrie, we're going to get Lakers Clippers on Christmas. As that's my should. prediction.
2: Yeah, no, they absolutely should. That'd be awesome.
1: Yep. I think that's uh, what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, do we do we get the finals rematch on Christmas? Is That's typically what it is, right? Yeah. yeah. Is it, I'm all I for mean, it.
1: Yeah. I would go with that. Oh, can we get Suns Mavs too?
2: Oh, that's a good one. Oh. <laughs> I like that.
1: Yeah, that'd be fun. That'd be yeah. fun. Okay, that's it. Do these... Kevin Durant, Nets, figure it out. Let's work these trades, move everything up. We need to start the season. I'm getting too excited here.
2: Yeah, hashtag figure out your life. I love that. That's right.
1: (laughs) All right, Lakers Nation, let's leave everything there. Appreciate you for joining us. If you're over on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give us that five-star rating and review. We really do uh, appreciate that. It's a great way to help out the show. And if you're over on YouTube, Again, just hit that subscribe button and don't forget to turn on notifications. Till next time, everybody, stay safe and see you.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality.